We are ready to go. What is this? Where are we? Episode 207. <laughs> We're going to be talking about whatever happened at the Amex yesterday, the, the, the six-goal thriller against Brentford. Craig, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How are you? How's things? Living the dream. We are here. Uh, I, we're here in Joshless. Um, Joshless. Who is, who is uh, yeah, feeling quite under the weather. So uh, I hope you feel better soon, Josh, if you're listening. He got the dodgy Spurs lasagna. Mm. Um, it's going around, isn't it? Yeah. So, so he. Uh, the good news is we've got a pretty heavy fixture list, list coming up here. So you'll only have to suffer a solo show from me and Craig probably on this one. And then we've got another another game on what Wednesday I think we've got. And then we've got Spurs coming up as well. So it's all Josh is going to be back. Tuesday is this, the Bournemouth game. Christ, yeah, it's really quick. It's too soon. Too soon. Yeah. All right. And we're recording as of Sunday. So, uh, yeah, you're going to be absolutely sick of us. Anyway, there was a game yesterday, if you guys didn't didn't watch. Uh, and it was... Uh, how do you describe what happened for 95, 96 minutes, just in a high-level summary? We'll, we'll start... We'll obviously dig into the lineups. We'll talk through the game. But what did you walk away from that game thinking, Greg? I know. It's mental right just and i think one for the neutrals is something that came about everywhere right it was it was more like this this is a very fun game to watch but not if you're a fan of either of these two sides um so it it had a bit of everything um it yeah frustrating for us to watch and no doubt we'll get into that but um one for the neutrals i think is is the the motto shared around um but just carnage in places and just so predictable in others so it it's so hard really to nail down what even happened yesterday, but what are your thoughts? Like if you could sum it up in a paraphrase. Um, I would say uh, life shortening. <laughs> my, I, my blood pressure during that game was not, not in a good place. Uh, <laughs> the, I, a, I, we'll throw some, I guess we'll throw some stats out. If you haven't seen them, there's some there's stats going around everywhere, obviously, but uh, I'll, I'll just pull from Albion analytics and, uh, we, I think this was ranked against all Premier League games in club history. Brighton recorded the most XG ever, 4.45. Most shots ever, 33. Most shots on target ever, 15. The second most big chances, five. And the third most possession ever at 73%. Touches an opposition box of 49 and open play crosses of 28 uh, and then I think you can add another one to that is 14 corners is also the joint most in a game. Um, <laughs> and we didn't win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you, you flip it on the other side. I mean, we can talk about our dominance, but at the same time, it talks some Brentford stats as well. Zero corners for Brentford. Uh, we had one goal kick in 96 minutes of football. Um and they had 38 clearances, which is, again, up there with the amount of shots that we had as well. Um, one of those things, and we, we talk about this quite a lot, is that if you look at this game on paper and you look at a 3-3, you go, whoa, <laughs> what on earth? And, and it was. It was, it, you know, the stats tell everything in this story, I think. it From from my side is that you can see that we had a lot of the ball, but... Um, We'll, we'll get into it, but just an outrageous game to watch. Um, and it just felt to, endless. It felt typ- endless. Yeah, and typifies both teams really. I think this is what this is what Brentford do, and I think if you look at their stats across the season, um, 
and then you look at ours as well it just felt like a very xg game didn't it but uh yeah very strange very strange the it's hard to really also like summarize whether this was a well look, obviously the, the 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 fact that we walk away from this game with a point is not to be sniffed at that this to me before we went into this game i think probably we could all broadly agree that this was the most important game that we played this season just of where we were both at in the table and what would happen if you win lose or draw this game losing this game would have been devastating mm-hmm. like especially the way it, it played out but it would have been devastating in terms of our ambitions and our aspirations for the rest of the season especially if we we would dig in and talk more about european football it, it, you suddenly lose to brentford they get the three points you don't know the outcome of this newcastle man you game yet I know you've got games in hand, but suddenly the table just doesn't look like it's properly on your side. And you've got those, the giants further down the table that are, are still there as well. Right. Mm. Um, getting a draw means that yes, we're disappointed broadly because you look at the stats and you go, how on earth did we not win this game? But you walk away from a point and you go, let's just, hopefully that doesn't happen again and we can move on with the season knowing it's not just exploded in our faces that's that's how i'm feeling about it i'm trying to draw a positive from it i think the other big positive um we talked about this a lot and this absolutely is down to deserve right you go down at home three times you you lose you know uh, and you've got to come back and rally three times there is something about this group of players and this this team and the camaraderie and togetherness that they have the willpower to do that, what we absolutely didn't see before. So I think there are, as annoyed as I was yesterday, we recorded this podcast straight after the 90 minutes. There would have been a relief after the goal, but a lot of um, uh, annoyance about yeah. how it happened. But yeah. big positives you can take from this. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with you on the, the games in hand, right? We're... We're currently recording in between, I guess, the Newcastle Man United game. Those are the two teams that we have our games in hand with, and you know they're they're up there alongside us and, and higher up. So we we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. You know those games in hand really don't mean anything un, until they're played. Um, and and if you take those out of the equation, this was one of the biggest games of the season. Just to just to keep oh yeah there and and stay there, and and we know we know what Brentford do you know that they're probably going to do a number on us as well because it's just one of those they're up there with Fulham for me in that they're probably some of the hardest teams to get results against for us because you know against the I guess the top six quote unquote we, we tend to be doing quite well nowadays um, and then the lower teams we're starting to get those results it's those teams in and around us that we tend to really struggle with now um, and we've seen that a couple of times this season uh, absolutely but, despise plan against him despise yeah. it yeah uh, I'm sure we'll get into that too. Um, but yeah, and I think to to the point of actually getting the result, I mean, you're talking a last minute equaliser, that feels good. And it's that mentality of not knowing when you're beaten. It is going to hold us in good stead for these next few games. Like, yeah, it's a point. And in hindsight, you look at the stats, we should have, you know, we should have won the game in, in reality. But the fact that you've even been able to do that and come back three times to, to even sacrifice something, not only to get a point for yourselves, but to take two off Brentford, who are alongside us, um, is just as important. So um, that'll hold us for the next game as well. We're against Bournemouth away from home. We need to go and win that. 
Um, and I feel like that would have been a lot difficult if we just lost that game, given how dominant we were. Oh, can you imagine? How, oh, I cannot tell you how furious I'd have been if we, we hadn't have got that point. After mm. all that, you lose 3-2. You just walk away so bitter. Let's 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 channel some some Josh here and 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 put some chronology around this. Let's talk lineups. Um I mean, from a Brighton standpoint, uh, what did you think? I mean, uh, for me, uh, after the Evan Ferguson news came out that he picked up a knock on, on international duty, this was the, there wasn't really any other thoughts about what the lineup was going to be, frankly, in my opinion, but uh, you think you might think differently. And then Brentford lined up in a just a hideous low block style, nine people behind the ball, punt it up to Ivan Tony and. Brian and Bremer, see what happens. And it turns out you scored three goals doing that. But what were your thoughts on the lineup? <laughs> yeah, I think for us, it's about as good as it's going to get. Um, I think you, you look at Matoma in Japan and then you had Kaiseido and Estepinion, Sarmiento all in Australia as well. Like it was, that's a tough flight back to come and make Premier League football with. So I was, I'd say, pleasantly surprised that they were playing, but also a bit hesitant about that. Like, that's that's a lot. So um, I'm glad that they were both playing. Estepinion obviously came off after a bit. Um, but, yeah, I think that's as good as you can go um, with Welbeck up the top um, instead. Again, I keep looking at that bench week in, week out, and just seeing how young it is and inexperienced it is, is that really can you do any better, given that Lamptey and, and Ferguson are out? Um, no. Really... <laughs> It's really not too much there. Um, and we can talk about ramifications of that. But yeah, that's as good as you're gonna get. And and from from Brentford's side, everyone knows what they're about and they have very good technical players and a very decisive system. Um it's always gonna be tough for us. Yeah, and they they don't always play three slash five at the back, Brentford. And 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 this we talked about in the commentary, they they pivot between doing that against what they would call, I guess, strong opposition or position where they just know that they're going to be absolutely dominated from a position standpoint. They don't really seek out possession as it is, um, but they could have played the four at the back. I, I'm not, I can't remember what they played in the reverse fixture, but I never like playing against teams that set up in this way. And we've talked about this a lot. You could, you knew exactly what the recipe was from their standpoint. And the game started out in a fashion that you would have expected. Uh, mm. We looked fairly electric early on, a couple of decent opportunities. I think the first came to um, Matoma and there was an incredible tackle from Ethan Pinnock uh, to, to block. Uh, I think it was a really good ball out from defence from Lewis Dunk, the unheralded hero of the long ball up top. Um, but then fast forward, what, nine minutes, 10 minutes in and a rather innocuous throw in is given to Brentford uh, after they kind of pushed up a little bit and, and put the press on. Yeah, yeah. And we can, well, obviously we'll get onto set pieces and sort of crosses and our, our inability to to be effective in any of those regions. But it, it's one of those, isn't it? You just get that sucker punch and you could you could feel it anyway. Like, of course that was going to happen. I remember just in our <laughs> chat in our chat alone, it was like, of course this is the way this game's going to go. Um started well and and had the ball i think it's not it's not going to be difficult against brentford like you said they don't seek to have possession they they seem to react to that and and press accordingly so the first five ten minutes obviously you're going to be comfortable because we like having the ball they don't necessarily want the ball so it 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 seemed very innocuous like you said um but yeah just a, a 
just a, a one-off throw in and a, and a, a cross into the box and we're just unable to deal with it and all of a sudden after 11 minutes you're finding yourself one nil down and you think this is how it's going to go today yeah and I think the running theme the frustration I think Deserby must be absolutely uh I don't know not sleeping too well uh the next couple of nights after these is that every single Brentford goal felt inexcusable defensively from our standpoint like it felt like a full-on concentration lapse for each goal mm. talked about set pieces and hinted at that and I think I heard it thrown out that we are now officially the worst side in the league at defending set pieces uh, um I think just to add to that I think we're the most inept uh, offensive set pieces yeah well we saw that so, didn't we how many yeah. corners did we say we had uh, it 14 I think it was like, uh, 400 I, or something yeah I think statistically I think we're we're the worst in both departments and and that's why is that that's not a coincidence I I mean it's a million dollar question I'm sure the Zerbi would want the answer as well more but... than a million at this point yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just don't get it I don't understand I know we talked about this before but I I, I can't fathom how we can like we I'm just looking at the stats again and as you said they had, they had no corners they had six throw-ins and seven crosses so zero, so zero corners six throw-ins and seven crosses we had 14 corners 15 throw-ins and 25 crosses <laughs> and it's the same end result I uh, there's what something has to happen in the summer right I, I, I don't even know who coaches us on set pieces, but something's got to give here because we defensively, in terms of general gameplay, we're sound. I feel like mm-hmm. we have this season, we've shown that we can, and even in this game, we can create goals and it doesn't matter the scenario. They can line up with all these players in the box. We will find a way. And we found a way yesterday to score three goals against a side that tried to sit back and defend a lead three times and they're good at it. So there's no problems there. If we could clean up the set piece thing, I know it's a big, big statement to make, but uh, we're good elsewhere is what I'm trying to say. And it's such yeah. a shame yeah. that we can't figure that bit out. Yeah. And I think the natural response online with other fans is like, clearly this is a coaching issue and bits and pieces. Yeah. I think my my lukewarm take on that is that Lewis Duncan Colwell should have scored from set pieces yesterday. Yeah, Dunk especially. Um, so I think there's there's a bit there where it's like, okay, clearly it's not going our way. And let's not pretend that this is a purely deserve issue. We've had issues with set pieces ever since Duffy got out of favour. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't think this is an isolated incident with the whole Deserbi appointment, etc. I, I just don't think we're very good at them. We haven't been good at them for a while. Um, and there were chances where we could have scored from a set piece yesterday. And the, the dunk one obviously comes to the forefront of everyone's mind. But I think Cole will got up high as well. I mean, ended up well, climbing he, on, he climbing on Lewis. Well, yeah. he climbed on his own centre-back Lewis Dunk to try <laughs> yeah. and get up there. I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but... I. It's not Surely a foul, it's not is it? I can't imagine there's anything in the rule book. You can't use your own player. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. fine, isn't it? But but those are the those are the chances where you're thinking, okay, if that goes our way, and all of a sudden the set piece talk just goes to now, doesn't it? Because you you've suddenly got that monkey off your back and all of that lovely stuff. Yeah. So I I do think part of it is yes, we're inept offensively and defensively we weren't and aren't very good at set pieces. 
I think some of the credit has to go to Brentford, who have made a knack of scoring from set pieces, not just against us, but from a lot of other teams. And that's actually one of their focal points in how they score. Um, So you put one of the best defensively set up (laughs) for set pieces against the worst at defending them. You were bound to concede one or two yesterday from set pieces. And that's exactly what happened. Or at least from crosses, I mean. There was one from a defined set piece and one from our own throw-in. But the general sense is that you have five or six crosses and they score three goals, then clearly there's there's a there's a parallel there. And speaking of Daishian-esque football techniques that are employed by Brentford, uh, we spend the next 10 minutes after that goal pummeling the Brentford area. Bunch of chances... Uh, Veltman's got a shot on him. Welbeck tries to make something happen. Solly March has one of his numerous shots that you just can't put in the corner yesterday. It just wasn't happening. And then, of course, as it's all planned uh, and we knew was going to happen, Jason Steele, route one, direct ball over the top. Mitoma with just a utterly obscene finish. One touch lob. Did you ever think he was going to miss that? No, 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 but then you I've watched it back a number of times and then I I, I now look back and I'm like, you should have messed that up. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like at the time, no, it's always gonna score it. And then when I watch it, yeah. I'm like, no, you shouldn't have scored that. It's that that level of confidence in him at the moment. It's like he's not gonna miss. Like, yeah. so as soon as you saw it go through, uh, and that was one of the things that really stuck out to me. Not the fact that he has the ability to, but just there's no question in the matter. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, Jason Steele's absolutely punched that straight up the middle. And uh, yeah. It, yeah, I think Aaron Hickey's got no chance against uh, what, essentially a, a sprinting contest against Matoma. I think he was always going to lose. No, that's not. Yeah. Just does. Does I hate to ask this question. Does Sanchez play that ball? I think he does. Mm. I, I mean, I, 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 I think he'd attempt it. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to go out for a throw, but he might get it a go. But I I think pummeling it straight, punching it straight down the middle, I I think that would be on for Sanchez. You you think about the third goal against Manchester United with Sanchez over to Kukurea last season. He has has it in him. I think it's just, I I don't want to get onto the goalkeeper conversation. It's a great assist from Jason Steele and he's absolutely seen it. And what happens in the next 60 seconds is benign to him. But like, I think... Sanchez has it in him. I just think he needs to realise that he's not the number one and he can't get complacent. And what Jason Steele has been doing in the last sort of four Premier League appearances shows that he has actual competition and he probably needs to step up and be more consistent. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. But yeah, I mean, the the the, the fact that he could see that Brentford had stepped up a little bit um, and then just played that ball, just kudos to him, just a really fantastic ball. And like we said, Matoma's just... Incredible. Well, we enjoyed ourselves for about 60 seconds um, or less after that yeah. goal. And we felt suddenly we're like, this This is now ours. We've got back in the game. We're on the front foot. And then Sunday League team comes out, uh, kick off and forgets to defend. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. Dunk didn't have his best game yesterday. He did I, not. I, I, so, and I think... With someone as important as Dunk, as if he doesn't have a good game, I don't think a lot of other people have a good game either. Um, he was well out of position, and Cole will bit on as well and pushed up, and we were just there was just too many gaps. It was a Veltman throw, and he Mac just got beaten on a header, and it was just chaos. Yeah, yeah, and it, 
the offside is obviously very hard to get if on, on the back of your own throw-in. So, you know, I guess you just think about the way you line up a throw-in, like it's going to be impossible for Dunk to get back into a line at that point. Um, but yeah, and, and again, completely switching off and just, I, I will unfortunately give credit to Brentford and just being able to move it that quickly and get into a position where you can finish that. Um, but again, it's just another sucker punch, something that is, preventable and I think it's to your point that the in, the inexcusables with with the Zerbi is that both of these goals were preventable in defending better or just taking care of the ball a little bit better it's those lapses in concentration that Brentford do capitalize on and again it's not just against us it's against everyone yeah and I, I, I agree with you and at the same time my overall summary of this is you, you cannot with the aspirations that this club this team these fans have now you cannot allow a team to come to you away from home, play five at the back and have none of the ball, no real proper chances outside of just these weird quick hits and score three goals. You just, you, you, you cannot, you, you just can't let that happen. It's easy to say this as, you know, some idiot sat somewhere talking about a, a performance, but it was, we, we have to rid some of these lapses of concentration because we're, the, the the potential outcome of this team, if we remove some of these issues and errors, is is the sky is the limit, to, to use that cliche. Um, not long after this, we decided to give the neutrals some, some more bang for their buck on this one. Uh, and Solly March does some great work out on the wing um, and is allowed to just get it on his left foot and put in a great ball into if you'd have missed it we'd have been screaming for Evan Ferguson and saying Danny Welbeck's done get him out of the team but great great little header from Danny Welbeck gets up yeah yeah and we know that he can do that like it's just I think it's that consistency isn't it we're again just using those cliches right if he finishes every one of his chances he wouldn't be playing for us so yeah you know there's, there's those sort of bits and I think we we appreciate and understand what Welbeck brings to that team besides goals. But when he starts chipping in with these every other or every other three games, then you start to see his worth a little bit more. Um, March turned his defender inside out, like just with a, a quick shimmy. Um, and with the confidence that he's playing with, he's able to put a, a cross in like that. And all of a sudden, you're back at 2-2 and you go, right, now the game started. And it's like you're like, 20, you're like 28 minutes in and you're like, okay, let's just restart. Let's just play a new game from here. Um, and it, it just all it all sort of weirded out from then. Oh, it, yeah. it just sort of just got to a point where I was like, well, this is a bit, this can't go on for 90 minutes. Um, but yeah, deserve to be back in it again talking about set pieces and crosses and stuff, we did score one. So, um, you know, that is a cross and that's a header, the back post. Um, so there's there's those sort of bits, but you're at 2-2 now and you go, right, <laughs> I said this 15 minutes ago, but let's kick on from here uh, and and try and try and take the lead. Yeah, and the game for me, and I think you described it well, it just in that it got weird. This The game entered the twilight zone here for me, like just a, what felt like, and then this, and we'll, we'll get on to what happens after half time. but at least up until half time, just a 15-minute period, and then just felt like forever of us knocking on the door and trying to make something happen. Uh, I actually was, I know we just talked about Welbeck and performances in this goal. I, th- I thought Welbeck was broadly really good today. I know he didn't take his Bergkamp-style chance in the first half. We tried to pirouette and go round. Not many can. Um, but his one touch 
uh, link-up play was really impressive. And I know we would have liked to have had Evan Ferguson in this game, but the downside to having Evan Ferguson in this game is an 18-year-old that's playing in between three solid central defenders getting crowded out. And even when he's got his size, yes, maybe he gets on the end of crosses, but so did Danny Welbeck. He got on one. You can't fault him. doesn't have that same beautiful one-touch link-up play that Danny Welbeck has. Danny knows how to drop in deeper and then have Alexis come of push forward, have Caicedo come from deep and Pascal Gross and then create passing lanes. And we saw some of that. There, there were no shortage of chances. Um, so I got to commend him for that. Um, mm. The other thing I'll say during this weird period of time is, you know, our finishing obviously wasn't sublime, but I, I guess we should talk about Raya a little bit. Um, yeah. he, I mean, he was very good. He is very good, isn't he? Uh, and there, there's a reason why these top clubs are after him. Once his contract runs out, there's a reason why he's in the Spain squad alongside Sanchez. There's a reason he's displaced the hair in that Spain squad. Like, he is very good. I think some of the saves, and I think you mentioned Solly earlier, just hitting it square in the middle. We helped um, him out. We made him look good. <laughs> there's a couple there's a couple of comfortable ones in there, but he he made a couple of good saves as well. Um and was obviously very comfortable. He's he's just a good goalkeeper, isn't he? I think he's he's probably one of the best in the Premier League. And you you show it. We helped him out a little bit with the stat padding, but I think there were a couple there where he's he's just done a really good job couple of little distribution errors from him as well so more to the point when we when we have a go at our own keepers let's not forget that even ones that we talk about enviously from other sides do do make these silly mistakes as well but yeah like before the half hit we saw chances that came in from we had Matoma cut a ball in where Welbeck was so close to getting on the end of it and he did just a little bit of a block there we had the Levi Colwell elevator header um, there was a bunch of chances there and, and Mac had a nice shot as well where he danced around a couple of players and tried to put it in the top corner and Raya saved um, no shortage of chances but you came into this uh, at the end of the first half and you thought to yourself okay this mm. we're going to come out to Zerbi he's going to scream at them at half time and we're going to come out on fire and let's go away and win this 4-2 and <laughs> that did not happen yeah i i thought you get to the half i think they had a bit of a they had a set piece right at the end of the first half and you're going please don't like yes that's yeah let's let's not do this now um i thought yeah a bit of a hairdryer treatment at half time saying this isn't how we are this is this isn't who we are and how we play sorry uh and expecting us to come out all guns blazing but you you go and concede a set piece in a very good area and Next thing you know, like two minutes after the half, uh, you you go three two down again. Just preventable chances that you can defend. It's the back post, and the centre backs put it in with his foot. So you know it's a good cross in, but it shouldn't be at that height, at that position of the box. I think you should be dealing with that. Absolutely reprehensible defending. Uh, and yeah, like you say, good good ball in all of the plaudits that are talked about, and I'll, and I'll use Andy Naylor's stats here. Brentford has scored a league high twenty goals from set pieces this season, as you alluded to earlier. Brian have conceded a league high proportion of their goals from set pieces. Fifteen of our thirty four conceded goals this year, which is forty four point one percent for math addicts, maths addicts, however you want to describe it, from set pieces. 
That is alarming. I know we just had this conversation, but that, that number shocks me. Um, I tell you what, the thing I noticed from this goal is, yeah, good ball, good run. <sighs> SD opinion, one of SD opinion's worst days at the office for me. He was mm-hmm. a lot of mistakes in his game today. And maybe some of that is what you talked about with the, the travel and the international breaks, but I was he was a liability for me and I wanted him off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't his best day at the office and that there could be a number of factors for that, you know. I, I can't is the expectation of him being world class every game week like a little bit much. Um, you know, there there's there's a few bits like that, but I think yeah, you're he's mostly to blame for that. I think he's just let um I think it was was it Pinnock just run Pinnock, to go back. Yeah. Um and, and should be dealing with that, or at least should be communicating for somebody else to deal with that. Um, so yeah, not great. Um, I feel like attacking wise, he also wasn't there either. No. I think, I think sometimes a couple of these game weeks, if you're going to be super critical, he gets away with some of his defensive lapses because of how damn good he is attacking wise. Yeah. Uh, and you can kind of forgive that a little bit because it balances out. Um, but if you're not as effective in the attacking half and also have those, set, you know, uh, a lapse in defence. I'm not saying they're consistent in any way. I'm just saying he has he has one in them. So does everyone. Um, but it was it was on show yesterday, and uh, it wasn't great. Um, I think some of us might have been happy to see him come off towards the end of the game. It was also weird. His his stats are semi misleading because well, he didn't have a didn't tackle anyone. But um, funny enough, neither, neither did Lewis Dunk or Levi Colwell. No <laughs> tackles. There was no need to tackle anyone. And then Brentford never had the ball outside of the three goals. <laughs> um, but broadly, like he had ninety percent pass accuracy. opinion, four key passes, two total shots of which neither were on target. But eyeball test wise, it was a couple of yeah, a couple of big mistakes there. And maybe we're being critical. I'm sure people will let us know if we are. But I feel like it was, for my own opinion, I think it's just more on show when he's not doing anything attacking. Yes. Um, so, yeah. I mean, let's let's hope that that's the the one and done, and that Bournemouth he can he can bring what he he usually does, um, and and we'll see a difference. But yeah, yeah. I, and let's not sit here and pretend that he's not the only one that had an off game. Um, so. I don't think we can single him out at all when I think personally, like we said, Lewis Dunk didn't have the best game. I don't think Colwell did either. Um, you'd be hard-pressed to find a lot of people that did. Um, but despite the dominance, and that's the most ridiculous thing that I'm now contradicting myself with, is like such a confident and dominating performance that you're left with, oh, actually, a couple of people didn't have a good game at all. And, and it may be because outside of the three goals... They, they didn't have to do a lot. Um, and well, that, that might be the thing. That's the tricky thing, though. But the, the, the thing that I feel like separates a good side from a, a side that is still on its way to being in that realm is there are games, and you've seen it with the best sides in footballing history. You think of your Man Cities, your Barcelona's, your Spain teams of, of you know, uh, 10 years ago, have 70-plus percent possession of the ball. And the centre-backs and the goalkeeper touch the ball three times in the game. Um, that's okay, but it means that when they are called into action for the one or two counter-attacks that invariably happen or the set-pieces that happen at some points, they need to be awake. And unfortunately, our players 
didn't have to do a lot defensively. And when they did, they screwed it up. And that's the difference. It sounds so, uh, I don't know, arbitrary to say it, but they didn't have to do anything. But on a different day, we could have had a clean sheet here and we win the game comfortably 3-0. Um, mm. And it's that's the difference. And that that can be the difference in, in your, your season. Um, however, 60 minutes in on a more positive note, we played some world-class football. And I don't know if you remember this little passage of play, but Moises Caicedo gets the ball. We move, this is, you know, peak Deserby stuff. Caicedo gets the ball very quickly in a decent spot, punts it to Welbeck. Welbeck, one touch, chest from McAllister, who then half volleys it through to Solly March, who ends up basically one-on-one with a defender pushing him. He isn't able to replicate what he did against, I think, Palace, right? Where he finishes mm-hmm. that perfectly with his left foot and, and side foots it into the, 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 the corner of the of the goal. He just smacks it kind of typically and Raya pulls off the save. To me, if we score that goal, we go on to win the game. It was an incredible little bit of, of movement there and one-touch passing from the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember it now that you've sort of gone through it and I think it's just a special play isn't it and, and it's it's something that we're capable of and we know that we're capable of it's becoming a lot more evident now um I think yeah. Solly March is too close to the goal to replicate the Palace and the Liverpool finish that he's sort of digging out now um but it's a good save as well like it, he's he's done everything that he could with it you've got Ben Mee you know trying to sort of scramble and, and push him wide uh, but it's just really good play. And I think on another day, he would have finished that. It's, it's yeah. just, it's one of those. Um, my my thought is, who else would you, it sounds super strange to say, but who else would you want in that position? If it no, wasn't Mark? Chance on the left-footed left shot. Yeah. It's Cutting him. across the goalkeeper. Like there's, I don't think I would choose a better person in that scenario. So it, it's it's one of those where it's, you know, on one on another day that, that nestles in the bottom left-hand corner and you're laughing. And he didn't have his shooting boots on, did he? I felt like Marsh had so many shots and they were just, they were down the middle or just slightly either side of the middle. And it was, uh, we can't, I'm not going to sit here and fault Solly Marsh. He's been, he, he has been a, a revelation this year. There's no doubt about that. He did a, he put in a great ball for Danny Welbeck. We can't ask much more from, from Solly Marsh than what he's giving already. Uh, it's just a shame he wasn't able to cap that move. Um, yeah. You, you got what, eight shots, four on target? Like that's, a much better Solly March that we had even four or five months ago. Um, you know, yes. getting 50% on target. I know we're, we're sort of saying those need to be in the corner, but you can't expect all eight of those to be in the corner. Like, because other, otherwise it'd be, it'd be up to Harlan levels, wouldn't it? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah you know. uh, 70 minutes in, it goes back to what you were talking about. ST Pinion, you know, an assist or a goal contribution would have cured all ills, but he put in a great ball. Lewis Dunk, who else do you want? On the end of a cross, Annie forgets how to header. Yeah. Inexcusable, again. I, I think like you, you're talking a player of that quality and that calibre in a five-yard header, free as a bird, and and puts it over the bar. Like he, But he'll know that, and I think everyone knows that, that he needs to put that away, and that's just... That's one of those, but a set piece, a cross that comes in that could have easily been a goal and should have been a goal. Uh, just <sighs> it's it's, it's horrible. Don't watch it back. It's painful. Yeah, yeah, and I, I won't. Um, but 
one of those again where we're talking about the number of crosses we're putting in the number of shots and stuff that we're having um that's one of the nailed on ones that should have been a goal for me uh and it's if if that goes in you're talking about a relatively i would say a relatively comfortable as long as you don't give away any down set pieces then you're, you're talking you can probably see that game out from there um and you're just sort of you're, well i say see it out you're, not, you're gonna go and find the winner yeah. at that point um yeah but not to be it was one of those days i think and you can look at the stats and you can torture yourself all week if you like uh, it's, i'm very happy we've got a game well you can only day. torture yourself until tuesday yeah, yeah, yeah. So i'm very so i'm very happy it's only a couple of days because otherwise um you'd be you'd be dwelling on this a little bit but should have scored he knows it everyone knows it next time we'll see yeah about through the sort of 70 80 minute mark deserve sides look we're 3-2 down at home to Brentford in a game we are absolutely dominating. We're going to shuffle the pack a bit. 72 minutes, he brings on Julio and Ciso for, uh, for Veltman. Um, obviously, fairly attacking move. A little bit of movement around there to, to, to make sure that we don't have just a gap at right back. Um, and then Brentford respond with a couple of subs, uh, take off one of their 55 Danish players. Um, and then Wissa comes on from Wemmer and they really settle in for that let's put everyone in the box so Brighton don't have any movement and you've the game was so, so narrow there was just no space and we were trying to create space and we were trying to break it out to the wings Matoma felt fairly anonymous in that that second half he just had no he had nowhere to go uh and we felt really constricted and and Deserby then decided you know what I'm sick of this on comes Buenonote, 83 minutes in, and on comes uh, folk legend and hero Dennis Indav for Danny Welbeck. Um, and sort of the rest is history because, well, 87 minutes in, Pascal Gross pulls out the infamous Gross turn, uh, puts a ball in. Uh, I think Matoma has a touch. The ball gets to Dennis Indav. You think he can't miss. There's no way he could miss. And he misses. Uh, and... <laughs> You think surely that cannot be just Dennis Indav, or maybe it can be. And then we see the replay, and we uh, Aaron Hickey has, you know, basically done an opposite end of the pitch, Maradona, uh, and he knows it. Oh, he's, the, he's done the Superman, is what he's done. <laughs> yes. So, like, I think, I think what he's trying to do, I, I'm gonna, <laughs> he's trying to throw his body, but he's obviously gone fist first. Um, and, and just got in the way completely. Um, but yeah, I I was with you on the on the initial play. I was like, he's only gone and missed that because the the camera was right behind where where Undaf was. So I was like, there's no way he's missed that. But then on the replay, it's clear as day. And we won't talk about refereeing too much. But I don't know why it took that long. Um, we can but- we can have a twenty second indulgence on referees because Michael Oliver was an absolute useless plump yesterday in my opinion and he was Brentford are very good about baiting the referee and rolling about and getting more time and getting free kicks and he bought into all of it and what were they why did it take them so long everyone in the stadium knew it was a penalty yeah I mean even the yeah everyone apart from clearly four people and someone sitting in a caravan somewhere Aaron Hickey was lying on the ground defeated knowing he'd handballed it and just waiting for the penalty he thought I think he thought the penalty would have been immediately given yeah yeah uh, I don't the, the more I, I talk about it every week I, I swear this is the one thing that raises my blood pressure over the actual game yesterday it's just it's it's outrageous just how shoddy 
the the refereeing is at, at this level. It's the best league in the world, apparently. But for for the officiating and down the pyramid as well, I think it's not just a Premier League issue. I think throughout all of English football, there is sort of this epidemic of just inept refereeing. Um, but yeah, I, we talk about it every week. I'm sure it's becoming quite dull to listen to. I, I it just needs to get better. And Michael Oliver's top of that list when it just comes to oh no. Um, and it should have been given immediately. Everyone thought it was. I'm glad they came to the right decision. I just, I don't know why it takes three minutes. I was almost certain he was not going to give it because after they took so long and before he strolled over to the monster, I just, I just thought, what's the dumbest thing they can do? <laughs> and it would be just, just continue and just continue the game. But after taking all that time, thinking about it, looking at it, viewing it, seeing how egregious it was, why was he not sent off? Yeah, that's the and that's the next thing, and then we talk about the second handball after that as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that twenty seconds has elongated quite a lot. Um, but mm. just it is a red card, right? It is that clearly that's obstructing a goal scoring opportunity, and I mean, is it because it wasn't deliberate? I, he's I'm the not, last man as well as he's yeah, the last man. I, I'm not even going to try and find a way out of it or just trying to find any sense of perspective. It's just the wrong decision. Um, but yeah. All right. We'll, we'll leave the refs alone because they know they're terrible. We know that everyone knows they're terrible. It's horrendous. However, Alexis McAllister steps up a ton of pressure in that situation. We talked about how important this game is. It can define the rest of the season. If you, if you walk away with no points and Bradford get three, you look at the table and you go, Oh my God, how have we cocked this up? And he just smashes the ball with the top right. And, I'll tell you what, how good does it feel that you've got a penalty taker that you you feel confident in? Ice cold, doesn't he? I, and it's probably the best penalty he's taken for us today. Yeah, um, yeah. I think there is sometimes where he sort of goes into the corners or just smashes it high and down the middle. Like that's also a good a good opportunity. Um, but yeah, side foot into the top corner, 90th minute to find a point against someone or a team that's in the same region as us. Uh, you imagine if we miss that? Again, we, we start talking about the... I absolutely maybe. could imagine, yes. I, yeah. I did imagine us missing it, but yeah. yeah. God, I, I hate watching penalties when we take them, but I think I'm starting to become better with them now that we have McAllister taking them. Well, I, I, I just think as, and for those of the listeners that are based in different countries or different nationalities, that you have to excuse us here. I feel as an Englishman, um, we have been conditioned to fear the worst. The expectation when a penalty is taken by a player I care about and a team I care about, I assume it's going to miss. Yeah, yeah. It's just PTSD from Euros of old and PTSD Euro- from and- every <laughs> tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I, yeah, I just I don't like them. I think it's the the pressure's a lot. I mean, everyone loves a penalty shootout and stuff, but if it's your own team, oh, there's nothing more nerve wracking. I'd be the guy not looking, just looking the other way. That I wouldn't, I could, I could never. The players that take penalties at world, like big tournaments, or even just, yes, I just so much respect to them because, I mean, you even go back, regardless of what you think about Gareth Southgate now, that man, that man's career was defined by that penalty. Well, yeah, I went through it in 96, wasn't I it? I remember yeah. the abuse he got, the pictures on the tabloids with his head in a bag and all this, like, oh my God. Anyway, big digression. Um, <laughs> we did score. 
I know there was another silly handball shout and all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't matter at this point. We 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 walked away with a point in a game that yes, we should have won, but at the same time, we could have very easily lost if it wasn't for that last minute situation. So you go, all right, let's never do that again. Let's forget about it. We got the point. The season's not over, and we move on uh, to Bournemouth on Tuesday. Um, I don't think we're going to agree on this one. Who was man of the match for you? I, I think we are. I think the more you spoke about him. The, the more I thought it was him. I think there's slim pickings between probably, I would say, Welbeck or March is mine. Yeah. I, th- I think those those are the two that kind of stood out to me. But Thomas finish is outrageous, right? And I think he deserves all the plaudits in the world. I think his goal and assist contribution at the moment and the amount of games that he's played for us is amazing, right? And I think we didn't mention, again, highest scoring Japanese player in the Premier League. We've still got 10 more games to go. Like, he's going to get a few more. Seven, like, in, seven in his last 13? Mental. We with, need a striker, don't we? We need, I we think need a with, one and two striker. It's him. With, with four or five assists in addition to those goals, like, the, the guy's gold, right? And he's up there. I think, for me, notable ones is probably Welbeck and March, but Caicedo's up there as well. I think just with what he's been doing. And again, we talk about the international travel. We talk about the the hype around this guy now after January and bits and pieces. And he continues to, I guess, just attain this level of football that is so integral to what we do. Because if Dunk's having a bad game and Caicedo's not up to snuff, then I think we're we're in a very bad place. So for me... I don't know if I'm going to take Welbeck off your hands. I think I'd probably give it to Welbeck because he was effective. And I think he he did well against what was essentially a back five in a very congested midfield. And I think he he accommodated very well. But it's yep. him him or probably Caicedo for me. Yeah, I I don't disagree with anything that you've said. And I, I think Caicedo is a great shout. Um, 92.2% passing accuracy on 64 passes. Uh put in a few crosses, some decent long balls, linked the play up really well. Like stats-wise, none of these things like jump off the page at you. But again, they can be very misleading. We read off a stupidian stat line and you think it was Caicedo's. Caicedo is just it's just such a metronome in, in the team for us. The other one that I'll give a little hat tip to, not his greatest performance, but Pascal Gross did a lot of work yesterday, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, if yeah. it wasn't for his ball in at the end there, we don't get that penalty. Um, and you know, he continues to just be a stalwart in the side and, and just impressive always. So yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of respect to the players for coming back in that game D- defensively, as we've talked about, uh, unimpressive performance all around, but the guys up top to come back and score three goals in a, in a game where you were down three times mm. is just, it, it speaks to the characters we've talked about. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we could give it to a few different players. I, yeah, a couple of shout outs. I think Enciso looked really good coming on. Had a chance as well, didn't he? Yeah. And commentary, rightly, here in the US at least, rightly calling out that he could have easily just gone down over a couple of those challenges, but decided to ride them out and start. Whilst it's admirable, um, I don't know if in this day and age, whether it's the right or wrong thing to do. From a purist point of view, it's absolutely the right thing to do. Play on and, and if you've got the ball, continue. Um, it's just that football's weird, isn't it? Where um, you're sort of, I don't know, you're never going to ask someone to to voluntarily go down, are you? It's this weird paradox where 
do you want him to ride that out and possibly get a chance or is it okay to settle for the set piece um it's a do- <sighs> it is a dodgy one well you're, you're gonna you get into uh, stereotypically uh, it's more like a, a south american flair forward player that's that didn't go down under a challenge is fairly remarkable um <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time like you talked about this yesterday there's a wiliness with teams like Brentford um, mm-hmm. whereby that, that Ivan Tony definitely goes down and Ivan Tony is yeah, yeah. 15 times the size of Julio and CISO um, and could probably pick him up and lob him like a javelin. Um, <laughs> there's like, but at the same time, Brentford, that's, that's how they score three goals when they're not in a game. Uh, and we don't have that. Like we've got an, an air of, innocence with i feel like some of our players where yeah. we don't capitalize like you say on the on those situations again you talked about this yesterday in the chat and i'm torn with it because i watched the first half of man U newcastle and anthony was like rolling about like the guy taking two bullets in each shoulder mm. and it's like you absolute idiot and <laughs> bruno fernandez is just another horrendous example and I'm glad in some ways that our, our players are, have a little bit more respect for themselves than to do that. So, I, you know, I, it's, I, I'm I, torn. Yeah. And I think from my heart wise, I'm all about it. Right. I like that we have that purity or that innocence, like you said, that there's this nicety to like, this is how football should be and, and how it should work. But ultimately, you're not playing the same game as everyone else in that respect, right? You, you go up against your Bruno Fernandes, your, your Anthony's that seem to be sniped down on a regular basis. Um, it, it's just one of those weird ones where we think this is how we all think football should be played, but it, it's not. Um, and I guess the the good thing with Enciso and maybe with this team is that, and we've seen it before, we've been a nice team and a very good team for a while. Um I think we now have the talent to even just back it up now where you don't go down under a challenge and then you still get the result that you had. And it almost makes that win even better from, I guess, if you're looking at it in that sort of way, uh, you know, being able to win a football game in the right way rather than the dives and the the flops and all of this sort of stuff is that, you know, there, there is a sense of purity in that respect. Shades of Mourinho and the Spurs documentary. You're, you're, you're too nice. You need to yeah. be bastards. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. At the same time, uh, you know, see where Spurs are at. So it's, I guess Mourinho is fairly happy in Rome, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about quickly, because uh, again, you're going to be sick of us soon because we're going to be discussing games yeah, yeah, every other day. Yeah. Um, David asked a good question in the youtube chat here who do you rotate for tuesday and and look this this goes back to what we have uh discussed endlessly at this point is that the squad depth is tricky especially now you are in the midst of lots and lots and lots of games happening let's also not forget that we've got cup game to play at some point relatively soon uh do you make a switch and and i guess we don't necessarily know whether evan ferguson is going to be either able to play on tuesday or able to play next saturday or sunday this sounds horrible but is webster injured uh based on how he played the last couple of times yes but i don't think he is (laughs) i just it wasn't in the squad was he or was he you know he was on the bench oh he was just out of favor for colwell yeah, I, I don't see that changing. Um, no. 
I so I think unless unless Lamptey's fit, I I think you probably rotate a right back. Um, I think otherwise the the main change. But can you can you drop well back after yesterday? Can you? Well, I think you can, you can frame it as a rotation. Oh, yeah, you could frame it as a rotation. It also depends on. It depends on, I guess, how you look at the matchup versus Bournemouth and how you look at the matchup versus Spurs. Like, do you want to have that big body style of football with Evan Ferguson against either one of these teams, or would you rather have Welbeck's play? Because you could argue, maybe I'd rather see Evan Ferguson against Bournemouth, and I want Danny Welbeck's maturity yeah. and experience against Spurs. Maybe, but that that depends on on the condition of them. I I agree with you. I think Ferguson can bully Bournemouth a lot more than it can Tottenham. I I, I think that it makes sense to me. So I think to, to answer David's question, I think we bring in Ferguson. I don't think you can change anything else. Um, Bournemouth just came off a slightly weird April Fool's Day uh, joke um, where they beat Fulham. Uh, so, and they've not... They've not really been particularly good at beating teams recently. The, the only other, obviously, game that they won in recent memory is um, against abject Liverpool. Mm. Um, this is going to be a weird game, uh, and I never, I never like playing Bournemouth again. Like some of the other, we talked about Brentford, we talked about Fulham. Even though they're in fairly dire straits, and they've <laughs> they've conceded fifty five goals, uh, that is a league high. Uh, concession um, by about eight. Yeah, yeah, but and they've only scored that they have a they have a minus twenty eight goal difference. That is worst in the league to Nottingham Forest minus twenty seven. We should be winning this game, and and then the focus would need to move to an important game against Spurs, and then the following week a very important game against Chelsea. I think interestingly, your Spurs don't have a manager. Uh, well, I guess they they do, but it's not the same one. Uh, they also do not have a director of football currently. Um, <laughs> Chelsea, we don't know if they will have a manager by the time we play them on the 15th of April, given what's going down there oh. at the moment. Increasing, increasing pressure. Especially with a very prominent manager now out of work. Um, that doesn't that doesn't help people. I'll tell you what. You know what would be really funny to me? Because I'm not sure what prominent manager you're alluding to, because there's a few. Um if if Chelsea sack Tuchel to bring in Potter for for Bayern to fire Nagelsmann to bring in Tuchel to then Spurs to bring uh, well the however way you want to spin it for then Chelsea to bring in Nagelsmann yeah and then who does Spurs get like it's just uh, it's a weird scenario it, yeah I, I we could we could probably spend a few bit on that but yeah I mean. Who knows? I think that the Bournemouth game itself is going to be tricky. I put it in. I put it in the realm of Brentford and Fulham for us. I yes, just, I, feel, yes. I feel like I'm never, never fully confident. Um, but we should have enough quality to win that game. And I don't. I don't think I'll be surprising anyone by saying that is that we should go there and get three points. Um, especially given what they've got two wins out of their five, but they've lost the other three. Uh, we should be doing some damage here, um, which makes me nervous. Naturally, it's terrifying. Uh, we 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 beat them one nil uh, in a reverse fixture. Um, but even even that was even that again. We talk about blood pressure. Like even that game was just 
a bit of a torrid one to watch as a fan. Um, so I feel like we're going to need something like that again. I think we're going to need a bit of magic or just this one defining moment. Just to go back in history, if you want to think about head-to-heads, and probably a lot of listeners don't need this information, um, last Premier League game at the Vitality was back in 2020. We got beaten 3-1. Uh, game before that was an FA Cup third round where we beat them 3-1. But then if you go back to Premier League games at the Vitality back in 2018, they beat us 2-0. Uh, a Cup game, 1-0 they won. Premier League game in 2017, they beat us 2-1. And then a championship game back in 2014, they beat us 3-2. The vitality is not a great place for us to go. So even though we laughed at their goals scored, goals conceded, and current situation, I agree with you. I don't love it. I don't love how this game comes so closely off the back of the fact that, as you've said, we just had a lot of international travel. The Bournemouth team does not have the same level of international travel as our players do. Lots of fixtures going on. It's an away game. We have no squad depth. It's going to be weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you have to remember nine of those goals came in a weird 9-0 thrashing by Liverpool as well. So you, you can look at that minus 28 goal True. difference, but nine of it was from one game. So there's a little bit of a, a weird bit there, but it doesn't detract from the fact that they're down there for a reason. Um, we are capable of beating them. Um, but like you said, not our favourite stomping ground, but we are very good away from home right now. Um, and it, it feels strange to say that. Here's here's a dumb question. If if Ferguson's not ready to go, you get Dennis and have a go up top. I think he's been very good off the bench. For, I, I, I don't... Could I, be a nice I, confidence booster for him. It could be, but is he going to give you what we need? No. I mean, just in, 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 <laughs> I think you're, you're talking about, I put Danny Welbeck under wiliness, expertise, or like just just this veteran nature of, of knowing where to be and when to do it because it's instinctive to him by this point. Evan's got this natural God-given talent where he just has that ability and that natural way of working. I think Dennis has a bit of both. But I just I don't know if it's the right time. I and I think the last two or three games we've seen him come off the bench. Grimsby's an anomaly, really. I mean, it's a yeah, two sides, yeah. so you, I, I'm not going to take that in. But the last couple of games he's come off the bench, he's made the difference. Like he won us that penalty. Um, he comes in, makes a nuisance of himself. Uh, he's. I feel like he's doing some damage off the bench for the last 10, 15 minutes. Um, I don't know if this is the right game to give him that chance. I think we need to go there and win. We do. I think I think the reason I bring it up is it goes back to the fact that we are going, if you like this or not, we are going to need Dennis and Dev in the run yeah. of this season. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't get easier. And again, we know that we can't rely on Danny Warbeck's fitness. Evan Ferguson is an 18-year-old kid, despite the fact that he's built like Hercules. And when I talked about throwing small players, I think Evan Ferguson could probably lob the entire rest of the team about 20 <laughs> miles down the road. Um it still doesn't mean he's invincible, as we know. We, he couldn't he couldn't play it uh, yesterday because of a knock. Dennis and Dav needs confidence, and he needs to feel like he can have more than three minutes at the end of a game to come on and and, and make an impact. And that's the only re- and the reason I say Bournemouth is your next games are Spurs, Chelsea, Man City, Man United in the FA Cup. You do not play Dennis and Dav in those games. Uh, so. 
unless you want a guy coming in completely cold to the run in the last month of the season where you play your 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 deal maker games against Forest Wolves, Everton, so on and so forth. I, I don't know if I, I I want a guy that hasn't got the minutes in. But anyway, who knows? Uh, I agree. We have to get the points at this with against Bournemouth. Yeah, I, it then comes to I bring it onto a tactic front. Is that Bournemouth are going to play with a low block? Do you want and have playing against that? Or do will you... they at home though, or will they try and be a little more ambitious? I don't think so. Hmm. I, I I mean they they know their strengths and they know that they can hit us on the counter attack, right? And they know that they can play for set pieces. So I, I feel like that's the main. I guess deterrent or sort of way of playing against us at this point is settle the storm, let them have the ball. Just don't, don't go for the the bait, right? Just don't, don't, don't yeah. engage um, and counter attack with what you have. Um, I, I think Philip Billing's been very good the last few games, despite their sort of topsy turvy nature. I think he's putting himself about a bit. Um, there's a few counter attacking options in that team. I feel like that's the way that they're going to play. And Against that sort of low block, Undav is good, but is he as good as Welbeck and Ferguson with those one-touch link passing? Or or is he someone that you play to at the end of a game where you are chasing a game because he has more space? I think comparing Dennis Undav's one-touch passing capability to Danny Welbeck's <laughs> is... I, I can't think of a more sort of unsuitable comparison um, but that proves my point uh, as well. Yeah, That's I good. really can't. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. I, and, and who knows with Bournemouth? It depends. So when they when they last couple of home games they played, when they played against Fulham, they played a, a four, a, like 4 4 2 basically, or 4 5 1. Um, and then against Man City, they went with a five at the back. So it depends whether they see us more in the, we'll see how much they respect us, basically. If they see us in the Man City mold or if they see us more in how we can take the game to them a little bit more. Um, it's going to be an interesting one. They obviously, they they won against uh, against Fulham, so maybe they stick with the four at the back and they got battered by Man City. So it very much depends. And I think against Liverpool, they played, uh, they played a four at the back and won there as well. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if they played a four at the back. Um but yeah, not long to figure that out. We have got, as of recording, uh, only, what, two and a half days until that game happens. Yeah. So it'll be exciting. Hopefully, we can come out the back of this point that we've just got, pick up three against Bournemouth, and then we go into an interesting, very, very intriguing game against a, a Spurs side that is absolutely lost. And I don't even think you can define new manager bounce because it's sort of the same manager, assistant manager that, that sort of managed them for a month. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, that that probably shouldn't be their manager. Uh, yeah. One of the weirdest situations I've seen unfold: you fire a manager, but keep Ask his his assistant, his backroom staff. Yes, it's just him that's gone, and you then got the entire backroom staff, and you're like, right, you're the captain now, <laughs> and you need to steer this steer this team into the Champions League. And by the way, your director of football is also banned forever. So, <laughs> like. <laughs> It, it's just it's such a such a weird basket case scenario. Um, very funny though. You know I, what? I, oh, go on. No, I was I was going to change the subject, so we'll we'll continue with it. Well, I'm gonna I'll say one last thing on this is because we are I think we've got two games in hand on Spurs, who are currently in fourth. They've played 28 games. We still played 26. There is a gap of six points, and we have a better goal difference. 
Spurs will go three games ahead of us in terms of game play because they play tomorrow away to Everton. Who knows what they end up playing playing like at Goodison. Um, Conceivably, if we do all right against Bournemouth and they don't do particularly well against Everton and we can pick up a result against them next Saturday, we can leapfrog them into the... the, And that's that's why the Zabby's looking, right? That's the message, is let's go and let's go and win at Bournemouth and that Spurs game is then a big big game in the psychologically being able to leapfrog one of these teams that are surefire meant to be up there um that that's what they're looking for right so yeah I, I, a weird look just came across my face because as of record I just I just realized you just saw the score I just saw the score which is why the table changed on me um <laughs> Spurs are now currently in fifth because I yeah. don't Newcastle just yeah okay yeah. okay <laughs> we'll bring we'll bring it back onto I was talking about away form right we've we've played twelve away games so far this season we've only lost three of them and that's pretty good that's very so, good and um, we're we're up there same points as Man United away from home they've played two more away games than us um with fifth in the table when it comes to away games. So that's that's on par, right, for where we want to be or are, are hoping to be. Um, so let, let's see. It, like you said, it, it depends on the level of respect shown in the tactics. Um, if they feel like they could go and take us, I, I feel like we have a better chance, really. Yeah, and come, come out with four at the back. Yeah. Bring the game yeah. to us. So um, I guess we'll see. But it... They're going to come thick and fast, right? You've got one Tuesday, one Saturday. We're talking, you know, on average, a game and a half a week now until until we're done. It's going to be fast. For me, I'm going to, I'll, I'll end it Brighton-wise, and I'm worried about our depth and the amount of games that we have coming up. Um, Sarmiento out. Ferguson gets a small knock here and there. Like, he, we know about Danny Welbeck's prior history. Um, it just takes one big injury here, and a lot of it just sort of gets thrown. Well, one small injury, honestly, but let's let's uh, let's hope for the best there. And I, you know, I think there's, regardless, this next week has a has the capability to to really change the perspective on this entire season. In fact, there's the rest of this month is it's fairly <laughs> it's a big just, month. It's a really big month, um, especially with that that semi final against Man United, and w- w- based on what they're doing lately, you, mm. you you're not going to just punt that game you are going to go all out and i'm very jealous of the people that are going to go to wembley for that game but let's um let's let's call it if you if you if you don't have anything else to add craig just because we got this game on tuesday and we'll probably record then but any other little bits to add on yeah yeah i think i think that's it we didn't touch on hodgson um being sort of back at the helm <laughs> and and aston villa are now a couple of points behind us they're really pushing for it with a win against chelsea yes well and brendan rogers is gone Amber Rogers is gone. So with this is a big April. <laughs> There's a lot of change going around. There's a, a lot of um volatility, shall we say? That's probably the right word. And who knows? The teams that we go up against may not have a manager anymore. They might have um a new director of football because the other one is banished from the realm. Um, you know, those sort of things that it's just gonna be such a topsy turvy month. Um, and I'm all for it. Uh if 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 it goes the way that we want it to go, it it's going to be one of the one of the best months. But I guess we'll we'll see. 
All right, I agree. Uh, let's uh, we'll come back to you. We're probably going to record after the game on Bournemouth. We've got to figure out time zones and things like that, and see where Josh mm-hmm. is at. But uh, yeah. you know, if, if we lose, we'll speak to you next Saturday after Spurs <laughs> next Saturday. But uh, hopefully, we can squeeze in too. So uh, outside of that, thank you all for listening. I hope this has been a fun one, even without Josh. Uh, and yeah. we're we're on to the vitality. Nice one. Thank you. Chisel.